Welcome to We Teach Clay, a podcast for ceramic teachers looking to share ideas and to connect. My name is Julie Newman, and I am your host. My next guest is a high school ceramics teacher in Pennsylvania. In this episode, we talk about her role in the planning and presenting of the PAEA webinar, COVID and Clay, which took place this last August online. While teaching in person this fall, she explains the changes she made in the classroom to accommodate the COVID-19 guidelines and best practice suggestions. She talks about which changes will stay a part of her regular classroom management post-pandemic. We talk about tapping into eager students for leadership roles to help manage all of the extra work. She also focuses on ways we can continue to grow and learn as educators. We discuss getting involved with professional organizations to connect with other art teachers. So let's jump into our interview with Leah Shuck. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with our guest, Leah Shuck. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm thrilled that you're here with us today. Um, let's get started with a little bit of background about you. If you could tell us where you live, um, what you teach, how many students you have, all of the, the good things that we need to know about you. Um, well, I live in the Pittsburgh area of Pennsylvania in a town called Carnegie. Um, I teach at West Allegheny High School, um, which is kind of near the airport. Um, I have been teaching for, this is my ninth year, but my seventh year at West Allegheny. Um, I teach a sequential art program with my colleague, Mike Short, and uh, together we teach art one, art two, art three, art four, AP art, which is 2D and ceramics. Okay, great, wow. And it's sequential, meaning that a student has to travel through that path? Well, they uh, would need to have a C or better to advance to the next art level and to take AP, you have to have had an A in every art level. Um, but ceramics, we open up to any student. They don't have to be an art student, which has actually um, really worked in our favor to, to get some new kids down in our end of the building. That's great. So w when you went in order like that, art two, art three, and then ceramics at the end, I was wondering if a student had to work all the way through those things to get to ceramics, but that's not the case. No, it is not. Okay, great. Cool. Um, I actually lived in Pittsburgh for a brief time. I'm, I'm now in Southern California, but after college, I moved to Pittsburgh for a couple of years, and it is by far one of my favorite cities in the nation. I just love it. Um, and that was actually my first, and Zika was Pittsburgh. Uh, so it was kind of nice to be back in those stomping grounds. I'm, I I love it there. How is the weather right now? Is it cold? Is it? Um, it's mild. <laughs> yeah, it's a Pittsburgh is like perfect fall, right? It gets crisp and you see the leaves changing. Yes, we're definitely at peak foliage right now. <laughs> Are you? Is it lots of colors? Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. That's amazing. Good, good. That's exciting for you. Um, so let's talk about what your current teaching model is um, within COVID, uh, meaning are you virtual, hybrid? What, what does it look like for you in your, in your school? So West Allegheny is actually really special in that we are the only public school district in Allegheny County that is back five days a week face-to-face, -face, um, having given that option to families 
Um, I know a lot of districts around us are starting to come back um, face to face in some capacity, whether it's hybrid or, or full um, or, you know, the family option. Um, so West Day is very proud of, you know, sort of being a leader locally um, in that return to school. Uh, right now, we're at about 75% capacity, I believe, back in the building physically. Um, a lot has changed, obviously, to make things safe for the students and the staff. Um, so there are spacing dots on the floor. There are directional arrows in the hallways um, to sort of streamline traffic flow. There are hand sanitizing stations in every classroom. <clears throat> um, our district also created a waiver. Um, for kids to sign in classrooms that would require shared supplies. So um, like our technology education department and our physical education department, we have a lot of like physical conditioning classes. Um, they all use the district provided waiver uh, that basically states that a student taking the class is going to be expected to have to touch the safe sanitizers that the school district provides. Um, so we were able to use that for art as well. Okay. And so the, the waiver is not as much to say, hey, you're using multiple, uh, you're, multiple students are using the same supplies. It's your student is going to touch these safe sanitizers. Right. Yeah. So there's a, you know, there's a common understanding that they have to somehow contribute, right, to the functionality of the room because of the need to share supplies. Right. Right. That's interesting. Now, you said that you're at 75 percent capacity. That extra 25 percent that maybe are not attending day to day classes, is that because they chose not to come? Yes, that's correct. We have our own uh, what's called West Allegheny Virtual Academy. Um, so we have our own sort of cyber school, if you will, um, that's still district aligned. Great. Now, was that cyber academy um, started during COVID or did you have that before COVID? We had that before COVID. It was actually a really great option for some of our students who maybe just for whatever reason weren't as successful in the physical building. Um, so they could do part of their way, day on WAVA, they could do part of their day in the in the school, or they could do full WAVA. Um, so we already had the program in place, which was really lucky for us, but we just saw an explosion of students be able to take advantage of that um, because of COVID. So we're lucky to have an administrator who deals specifically with that program. So she was able to um, expand it where it needed to be expanded for, you know, meeting the needs of the increased student population. Yeah, that's so interesting. My school as well, we had, uh, we have an I, you know, campus that is completely virtual and it's been around for 10 years. Um, and I can't tell you how many times, you know, you hear people say, oh, well, I don't know if I could ever do that. And I don't know if I could teach that way. And there was a lot, not a lot, but there was criticism. You know, there was skeptic and people were skeptical. Um, but now that we have all been thrown into this uh, virtual bucket, I, when we emerge, right, however long it is, when we emerge from COVID, I am very curious to see what the enrollment in those virtual academies are going to be. Is it going to dip back to pre-COVID? Is it going to be high? I just think a lot of students have, like even my own children who are very young, there are certain things that they really appreciate and like about virtual learning. Not everything, but I think that, like you said, for the, for the right student, it's a good fit. Right, right. Yeah. 
So it's a difficult fit for ceramics. <laughs> it's been challenging for us for okay. 100% virtual. <laughs> yeah, I also do advise five classes on Weva. Do you? You're at one, two, three. AP. Yeah, five. I also advise five classes on Weva this year. This is my first year doing that. So as an advisor for the virtual academy, what does that look like for you? Well, I facilitate um, five courses through Weva, the West Allegheny Virtual Academy, which is Studio Art 1, Studio Art 2, Studio Art 3, Art Appreciation, and an AP Art History class. Um, and this is my first year advising uh, the Weva art classes. And uh, what that looks like basically is just me facilitating the online curriculum. So some of the things are pre-graded through the software, um, but some things like more project-based assignments and some of the writing assignments will come to me to be graded. Now, is that in addition to your full teaching mode? Yes, I do that outside of school. And is that a separate like stipend or a step? Yeah. Okay. And so, it, and it's not, you aren't expected to do that at all. It's just an extra opportunity. That's correct. And how do you feel the, this is your first year doing that. And um, how do you feel the workload is, is it manageable to be able to, to do all of that after the school day, in addition to all your school day responsibilities? I do find it to be manageable. Um, again, because it's online, you have the luxury of it being portable. So I actually am able to grade quite a few things at my lunch duty. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm sure that there, as our teaching models change, there will be more opportunities like this. And so I think it's interesting to get perspectives from people who are actually living it right now. Um, so that when these opportunities come up in the future for our other ceramic teachers, um, that they have that information that you think is manageable and that you're able to use the, the off times that you have throughout the day to kind of work on both things. Interesting. Sure. Is it mostly just the grading? Um, is there any facilitating as far as uh, delivering instruction or is that all part of that, the packaged curriculum? It's all part of the packaged curriculum. So there is no additional prep, so to speak, on my end. Oh, that's great. So there's no prep. There's no lesson delivery. It's just assessment and feedback. Correct. Okay, great. Very cool. Well, thank you for that little tidbit. That, that was a little sideline I wasn't expecting, and that was really helpful. Um, so let's <laughs> talk about how I met. I know, right? Just like little tidbits in life. It's like, oh, that was amazing. Um, let's talk about how we got together. And I think I found um, an ad for a PD that you guys facilitated um, in August, I think, right? Early August, it was called COVID and Clay. Mm -hmm. And I saw it advertised on Facebook. So I click, click, click. I, I got right in there and RSVP'd and I attended the webinar and it was fabulous. Um, how was your, did you anticipate the response and how big was the response? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was blown away. I was blown away. I called my co-representative, Linda Abraham Braff. Um, she represents PAEA Region 1 with me, and um, we couldn't believe it. I mean, in our typical PDs, you know, live or online, we usually have maybe anywhere from 10 to 35 people. 
Um, so originally I had scheduled the Zoom on my Zoom account, which is a free educator account, which can hold a hundred people. Mm-hmm. And we, I think it was within like a day or two, we had already sold the hundred seats. So um, we had to have one of our lovely PAEA colleagues um, from Millersville University use her university account so that we could expand the seating to 300. And then we actually sold that out as well. So um, there were a lot of, a lot of participants um, there. We, I think there was participants from 26 different States um, across the U S we even had someone tune in from Australia. So it was a pretty wide reach. Um, I think yesterday at the PAEA conference, um, our president said that I think that was the first time we'd ever had an international constituent (laughs) as part of one of our PDs. So that was a first for us. Well, and I think that because we have gone so virtual because of COVID, it has allowed a broader audience to participate in things that are interesting. Um, Just even the topic, COVID and clay, was enticing for any teacher, anybody working in clay. Um, And a lot of the, what do I say? It was enticing because there's not exact answers to everything about COVID right now. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of science that's still being hammered out. How did that affect you um, and your team as you guys were were preparing for uh, the professional development? Well, basically it stemmed from a little bit of selfishness, I guess. I mean, I myself myself was extremely concerned and it was a conversation I wanted to have. And, you know, it got to a point when I was, you know, speaking with Linda, I I thought to myself, if I'm this worried about it, I'm sure there are other people that are this worried about it. Like, and really at the beginning, it was a logistical nightmare to think about how are we going to do what we do with these impositions basically. So that's when Linda and I had the idea to, to create the panel and, um, the first person I reached out to was Christy Culp, who is an educator that I've met through several PDs around the Pittsburgh area. Um, she's part of an arts consortium that holds um, an educator show actually every other year. Um, and I've also run into her at some other PDs uh, And I knew that she herself is a ceramic artist and has her own business. And um, when I reached out to her, we discussed very early on the fact that she is very comfortable as a ceramics teacher and as, you know, a leader in the field, but that she didn't want to, you know, be made to feel like she had to provide answers. And, you know, I felt the same way too. You know, I didn't know any new scientific information that, you know, was out there for other people as well. But again, the need to have the conversation outweighed the fear that we weren't going to be able to deliver some type of substantive content, I guess. Well, and I do remember going through and, and you guys really did such a fabulous job finding sources. I remember, um, you know, several of the clay companies coming in to provide, um, you know, best practice. And a lot of it was erring on the side of being extremely conservative 
which I think we need to do right now. Um, but even I think Brockers was one of the first companies to come out online and to publish some kind of documentation with um, advisements as far what to do with your clay and if you're a teacher, how to manage um, multiple bags of clay and sharing clay and pugging clay. Um, so the, all of those um, tips that you guys provided were really, really helpful. I'm so glad. Yeah, we we figured with the diverse panelists that we did have, with Christy being a high school teacher and a ceramicist, Bryce being a ceramicist as well as a teacher in the nonprofit sector, and Julie being a technical director for a, a ceramics company, we thought that we had a pretty good gamut um, there with our panelists. It really was. And then I think also just, um, you said there are 300 people that were on the, or were there more? Not all 300 attended, but that's how many seats we had. That's how many seats you had. There were in the chat, the chat was on fire and it was just lots of feedback and ideas and things. And um, I remember it was like a slap in the face for me. Somebody said something about, well, I get the uh, like from Costco or the um, chamois towels. Um, and that's what we wipe down the ta tables with. And then we put it in a laundry basket. And then every night I go and launder those. It had not even hit me that that was going to be an issue. Yes. <laughs> so I do that as well. I do I do the microfiber rags as well now to wipe down the tables. And I will say that some of the changes that I've made in my classroom because of COVID, I actually probably will continue them in the future because I like them. So the microfiber rags wiping down the tables, I actually feel like those cut down on the dust better anyway, because you can wring them out more thoroughly you know, instead, yeah. instead of spreading the dust around, it does a more effective job of wiping it away. So that's something I will continue to do as long as my custodian continues to be an angel sent from the heavens. <laughs> washes them for you. Washes them for me. Um, and also the pre-portioning of the clay out to the students. I really like that as well. Um, so originally I was extremely concerned in my own personal classroom that I share with, with Mike that we wouldn't have the space to do that. So uh, Mike and I actually went in over the summer and spent hours and days purging stuff from our 3D art room uh, to make room for student storage. And I love it because it's too easy for the kids when their clay starts to dry up, they just dump it in the bin and then who has to deal with it? Yep. You. <laughs> We've got so to pause really, over and over and over and over and yeah. over and over again. So I really enjoy them having their own clay because I feel like it's made them take more responsibility in, in the materials because, you know, every day I'll remind them like, oh, did you spray your recycle clay? And oh yeah. And so they're able to reconstitute their own clay. So let's talk about that a little bit. How, so because you are in person with your students every single day. And so your, how much did you portion out to the students to start um, with? I gave them two bags of clay and they each had about a softball size in it. Okay. And then um, they use the clay and then they did they start a, a reclaim bag? So one yep. bag was for scraps? Okay. Yes, one bag was for scraps and one bag was their good clay. And then that fits inside their, do they have a cubby or some kind of a storage room? Yes, so we have cabinets in our room, much like the cabinets that are in every art room. Um, and we were able to divide it up so that each student got a shelf. Okay. That's great. That's great. And then what are you, how, how are you, how often are you having them hydrate the clay like that to reclaim? 
Um, sort of at, on an as need basis. I just kind of remind them every day or every other day, like, don't, don't forget about your reclaim clay and they'll check on it and spray it if it needs to be sprayed. Um, at the end of our first project, I would say I had maybe four kids in a class that hadn't checked their reclaim clay and I did have to take it and dump it in the slop bucket. But that, I mean, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. And then um, a lot of the advice in the COVID and Clay PD, we talked about uh, reclaiming and the slop buckets. And how are you managing that? Are you actually pugging and then letting it wait? Yeah. So typically part of my course grade would be um, contributing to recycling clay. So the students all had to have a hand in that to, you know, contribute to recycling clay to manage the classroom. Um, but this year, I haven't had the students do that yet. Um, I've just been doing it myself. Um, so I will uh, pull the clay out of the slot bucket. I have plaster slabs that I let it um, sit on to, you know, pull out that excess moisture. And then I pug the clay and then I let it sit in a bag for two weeks. Okay. Yeah. And that was the advice that said, you know, whatever either sitting before or after it's that two week period, and then you can reintroduce that back in. Yes. I really did like what you said when you said, you know, I've made this change because of COVID, but this is something I'm going to keep doing. And yeah. all of the heartache, I should say, because we're all kind of experiencing extra work, right? This is, this is extraordinary. And we are finding that we're, we're putting in the extra hours, we're, we're all working harder, but it's providing some opportunities for the future to change our practice. And although it wasn't asked, we, went, we didn't ask for this, um, it, it's been awesome in the fact where I am creating some fabulous video lessons that I'm gonna use forever now because I'm virtual. So I'm all these demonstrations and all of these um, teaching tools that I've had to create because normally I would just write it all on the dry erase board and it would be like step one, day two, day three, day four. And now I've actually had to digitize all that so that I have a handout paired with the demonstration, paired with the Google Classroom assignment, paired with the rubric. And it's taken me so much time, but that change in my practice, I'm going to continue that year after year after year to help reach all students. And I know in education, we say, what are you doing to meet the needs of all students, meeting special populations, English language learners, um, special ed students, and all of these tools we're creating help us reach all those kids. So I see that as a really big positive. Absolutely. So did you want to, um, you were looking through your PowerPoint there. Did you want to make any, say anything else about the, the COVID? Um, yeah. So the only thing that I didn't mention that I think is really important to know is that all of the questions from the COVID and clay presentation were submitted by our participants, um, which I think is really special. And I might, uh, maybe everybody doesn't realize that. So originally I had put a call out to region one through PAEA, which is Allegheny, Washington, Westmoreland, Fayette, and Green counties, and asked for questions, concerns, discussion topics for the COVID and clay presentation. And then when we saw how big of a response there was on the Eventbrite, we actually reached out to the first hundred registrants and accepted more questions. Um, and then we met with our panel to revise the presentation based on the new questions that had been posed by those first hundred registrants. And so we are really grateful 
for the, the wealth of questions that were provided to us as uh, points of departure for the discussion. Um, things as simple as how do I change communal clay practices? How do I sanitize canvas covered tables? Um, which we got into a whole discussion about why you shouldn't have those in the first place. <laughs> we talked about gloves and Clorox and homemade tools. Um, well, there was a big discussion about Clorox and putting Clorox in the clay and how yes. that, <laughs> that, yes. that is not a good practice. That is not a good practice. Um, and I also really loved uh, the fact that we updated the slideshow afterwards as well and made that available to participants, um, like you said, based on how much great uh, conversation was being generated in the chat. We wanted to make sure that that information was also available to everybody who attended afterwards. So I was able to include, for example, uh, Bryce Hemington from Manchester Craftsman's Guild, his photos of his ingenious take-home kits that also doubled as a damp box and his uh, homemade document camera for people that maybe weren't going to be able to purchase one. Um, so we made sure that we put all of that in there after the fact and also that really rich discussion about why does clay matter? What's the importance of this class and, and this skill set? Um, so we put all of those comments in there as well. Do you have any plans on making that information available to the general public or is it exclusively for the people that were attended the conference? It actually has been available to the general public um, ever since the day after we published the, the presentation as well as the video. Um, and I believe I shared that out on the Ceramics Educators K-12 Facebook page. And it's also available on the PAEA website under professional developments and the tab called webinars. Awesome, awesome. So if people are listening to this and maybe they didn't even know about COVID and clay or maybe they missed the event totally and they're saying, wait, they're talking about a lot of things here that I could <laughs> probably go back and revisit. Um, they can go and find that either on the K-12 uh, Facebook group or um, through the PAEA website. Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you for making that available because I know um, I know I have uh, access to it because I attended the conference, but there are even things that because I'm still virtual, um, I haven't really gotten deep into the idea of converting to a hybrid scenario or going back face to face. And so some of those big takeaways um, for managing clay and managing classrooms with physical students, I, I just haven't gotten there yet. I have been so overwhelmed just with um, sending kits home and having students, you know, having to work at home and uh, being safe in a home environment and communicating um, safe working skills to the students there. Um, you know, we're all kind of coming together around a commonality of COVID and ceramics, but yet we all are, everybody's picture looks a little bit different. Sure. So tell I me a little, oh, go ahead. I did think of um, an answer to that question you asked me earlier, things that I changed because of the COVID and clay situation. Great. So the one thing that we changed was the tool storage. We had tools in cabinets and drawers uh, in one section of our classroom. So we figured to minimize large gatherings of students sort of congregating in that area of the classroom to access those tools. We decided to make um, cool 
tool storage caddies out of clay. Um, and we actually built those with a former art student. She came in over the summer and threw with us and uh, my colleague Mike and I and our former student Elena, um, we made these, these tool caddies to go in the middles of the table. Um, so now the tools are organized, but they're out for everyone to access more easily without you know the congregation of students in the cabinets and the drawers. And then that's fabulous, first of all, that that you've made that change, but that you actually made the caddies. You didn't, you know, go to Target and get something. You actually made it with love. Um, what do, do you do anything special to the tools or have the students do anything to the tools before they put them back into the caddy? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, the sanitizer waiver that I was talking to you about earlier uh, also includes a bath. So we have a sanitizer bath. It is a district provided disinfectant. It's called Oxivir, I believe. And it's uh, one cup of the sanitizer to one gallon of water. So we were provided plastic bins, almost like what you would put your things in at the airport to go through security. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we have two of those in each classroom. So there are two sanitizer baths and the students plop the tools in at the end of the period. Um, and they are to sit in there for five minutes and then they can be taken out and they have to air dry before you can put them away. So we luckily have enough tools that um, they are able to dry, you know, and students can use other ones while the sanitized ones are drying um, in between the class periods. Um, and then I also have a lovely senior student who takes on quite a leadership role in, in my ceramics class. And she'll actually uh, stay after and, and pull the tools out of the bath with gloves on, of course. And um, that's that's really helpful for me. You know, I like it when the students are able to step up and take on a leadership role. Absolutely. We have uh, TAs in my school because we have quite a few students. And um, I am also lucky to get those eager, you know, mostly seniors. And they do, they go the extra mile and having them participate in that is, is just a, a great honor and a privilege that they can do that and you can spend your time getting ready for the next students. I was going to ask you who rounds up all those tools and puts it back <laughs> in the cups, but you answered that for me. That's fabulous. One thing I also want to talk about is your involvement with the PAEA. And I think as educators, um, right now it's really busy and I think people are feeling really overwhelmed. But as we all move through our careers, I think that there are opportunities, whether it's attending an Ansika or going to your local or regional conference, but you have chosen to be in a leadership role within the PAEA, within your region. Could you tell us a little bit about that, how long you've been doing that, and what tugged at your heart to do that? Sure. So I love being an art teacher. I just, it's, it's fun. It's a, it's a fun job. Um, and it's a really rewarding job. And, you know, I always say that I'm a lifelong learner and, uh, you know, outside of going back and getting my master's degree, I sought out professional developments, uh, through PAEA and uh, really, I haven't been involved with the program that long. Um, in 2017, the state conference was in Pittsburgh. So I had the opportunity to work on the conference planning committee. And that's really when I got involved and I sort of jumped in headfirst. And um, last summer, 
I was asked to uh, co-represent Region 1 with, with Linda Abraham Braff. So I was able to step up into that leadership uh, position. And I really enjoy that because I do feel pretty well connected to the arts and cultures uh, opportunities in the Pittsburgh area. So it's something I really enjoy. I enjoy working with the galleries and museums for partnerships. I enjoy uh, you know, creating and developing events and programming. Um, I enjoy creating the monthly newsletter, you know, being active on social media with the community. And so that started just this last summer is when you jumped on board with that? Yes. So it's fairly new. And then you get um, handed this COVID situation. <laughs> and this is probably not something that you anticipated, but yet it's full of opportunities for growth. And that's one thing that I keep talking with my department as the department chair. I keep saying, look, guys, this is unprecedented. It's something that we could have never anticipated and we hope we don't have to do again in our career, but it's provided a lot of opportunity. How has this developed you as a teacher, maybe in ways if you wouldn't have become um, a part of the PAEA leadership team, um, how has that developed you as a teacher as well, just not giving you the opportunities for like working with galleries, as you were saying, but how has that translated into your classroom? I guess because of speaking about best practices with people who love what they do as well, you know, it's a wealth of knowledge, it's a never ending stream of ideas. Um, it's people who can validate the things that you're feeling because they feel them too. Um, it's having someone to talk to when you have a tough student or a tough parent or need a lesson idea or, um, you know, even just the camaraderie. A lot of the friends, actually all of the friends that I've made since moving to Pittsburgh are art teachers that I <laughs> made through PAEA or... Which is awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> art teachers are the best. Yeah. That's so great. That's great. So um, you are not a native to Pittsburgh. You moved to Pittsburgh from somewhere else. I should have asked you that at the beginning. How long have you been in Pittsburgh? Um, well, I moved here for this job. So this will be my seventh year in, in the Pittsburgh area. And where did you live before Pittsburgh? Uh, just central Pennsylvania. Oh, so still in Pennsylvania. Yes. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. I got you. Good. Well, I know that you're a maker, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, what you make, what art you do, um, what serves that work-life balance, or how do you express yourself as an artist and not just as a teacher? That's a great question. Um, I do consider myself a maker. I uh, have a lot of mixed media endeavors and I do a lot of upcycling. So right now my niche is sewing and upcycling old clothes into new clothes. Um, that's what I've been working in and a lot of mixed media art, but I like to do really all different types of art. And um, I am on the board of the West Hills Art League as well out here. Um, and that's a great uh, program. We have monthly meetings and lately because they've been virtual, it's been encouraged for you to make with the demonstrator. So it's really nice to be part of professional organizations because it keeps you fresh and it keeps you excited. Um, just last week, we meet the third Thursday of every month, we had a charcoal drawing demonstration. And that's probably the first time I've drawn with charcoal in four years, and probably the first time I've drawn a still life in charcoal in 10 years. So it's just, it's really invigorating, to be honest with you, to, to work in a variety of different mediums through, you know, all these different organizations. 
Absolutely. And I love what you said about, you know, the opportunity is because of its, because of the virtual nature of this, like making alongside. I actually, right before our meeting today, I was in a workshop. It was uh, Kippo Cronley, who is an artist, um, a ceramic artist that makes these beautiful cups. And she's an environmentalist. And um, I have been following her for years. And she was doing a workshop it was fabulous. And I would have never been able to attend a workshop with her in person because as a mom and a teacher with all these things happening in my life, but I was able to spend, you know, two and a half hours with Kip virtually. I mean, we weren't really hanging out, but I was really, um, you know, impressed and impacted. And I felt invigorated by watching this artist create. And sure enough, I had a little piece of clay in my hand and I was kind of, that's how it helps me, you know, listen and pay attention. And I was just making something small alongside of her. And it really did fill a part of my heart that I've been missing. So I appreciate that you say um, that you're finding these opportunities to continue to make. Absolutely. So if people want to find you and reach out to you, um, because you have said a lot of fabulous things here, and I know as in um, invested as you are in the PAEA, and then just as an educator, it, it comes through. If people want to find you and reach out to you, where can they find you? Well, I guess you would have to decide in which capacity you want to reach out to me. (laughs) Um, So if you're looking to follow PAEA, um, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at PAEA Region 1. Um, If you're looking to follow my art teaching, uh, you can follow uh, on Instagram or Facebook West A Art Club. Um, and if you're looking to follow me as a maker, you can follow me at leahshuck.maker. Love it. Love it. <laughs> you are everywhere. We can find you. And if you find you in one spot, then, you know, we found you. <laughs> um, some of the great things that we uh, did as a follow-up to the COVID and Clay presentation, um, one of the, the big points was teachers perhaps changing their course from ceramics to sculpture. That was something that a couple of people talked about. Um, Obviously, it would be ideal to just keep it ceramics. Um, But for the teachers that maybe that's not a possibility, you know, if if they can't wait two weeks for the recycled clay or their room is too small or, you know, the social distancing isn't um, an option, whatever is the barrier, um, we decided to offer some PDs on alternative uh, 3D media. So we partnered with Lisa Liebering, uh, who is formerly of the Pittsburgh Cultural Trust, and she will be facilitating workshops in November and December on wire sculpture and cardboard sculpture. So for teachers that, and that's sponsored by Region 1, so for teachers that want um, other alternative mediums to still produce 3D art with their students, um, wire and cardboard are obviously very readily available in expensive materials. Um, So we wanted to offer that sort of as an echo response to the COVID and clay presentation for teachers that maybe are seeking out some alternatives while you're remote or if you're, um, you know, having limited access to your clay. And these will be virtual? Yeah. So similar to the COVID and clay presentation, as with all, you know, regional events through PAEA, it's free for the PAEA members and it's just $5 for the non-members because we do always provide an honorarium for uh, our guest artists and speakers. 
Yes. And I remember, I mean, it's such a small fee for what you actually get out of that. And uh, fabulous that you're having an artist, a local artist come in and, and give those demonstrations. Uh, that's excellent. Thank you so much for that plug. I will be definitely checking that out. <laughs> Great. Well, this has been a treat, Leah. It's been really nice to get to know you a little bit more and to hear all of the things that you're involved with and just sharing so many ideas that I think all of us can take back into our classroom, whether it's virtual, in-person, or hybrid. So thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. I'm honored that you asked me to, to be here. This was such a great chat with Leah. I love that she says her friends are other art teachers. I totally get that. I have my ceramic teacher friends, and I know they just get me. Whenever we're together, it, it just feels right. So shout out to my crew. I miss you guys. I want to give you the location of that COVID and clay webinar resources so that you can find them if you want to go back. There are so many good resources and so much good stuff listed there. So honestly, it's it's much more relevant now that time has passed and we've taught this semester. I feel like going back to that webinar and all of the materials they put together, it, it just makes more sense now. I was so overwhelmed in August, and now that I'm into the year, my brain is a bit more open to these suggestions. So if you want to find them, you're going to go to www.paea.org. Up on the top, you'll see a professional development tab. And then under that, you'll click on webinars, which is super cute. What a great play on words, webinars. If you click on that, they actually have all of the past webinars listed historically. And there's a lot there. Uh, scroll down to the bottom and then you'll see the COVID and clay event um, that happened in August. If you want to check out the new webinar that Leah was telling us about, go back up the top, click on professional development, and then choose calendar. You'll see the event listed on Tuesday, December 8th. The subject is alternative materials for 3D art. And you can click on that link on the calendar and register right through there. As we start to wrap up our semester, I hope that you guys are taking some time for self-care. I know a lot of people are talking about this, but it's so important. Uh, just read a little bit of a book, walk around the block, whatever your thing is, try to carve out just a few minutes every day to do that. Um, my thing is sun, uh, the sunshine, I should say. My husband tells me and makes fun of me. He's like, uh, honey, you need to go charge your solar panels. And that's when I'm getting either a little moody or overwhelmed or just really stressed out. He's like, go charge your solar panels. And luckily, I live in Southern California. So I go out in the backyard. I lay down on the chase lounge for just a few minutes, usually at my lunch break. And coming back in from that, it just helps to have a clearer mind and for me to put my best self forward there for my students. They really need us right now. So be good to yourself so that you can be good for your students. And with that, I bid you farewell, stay healthy, friends, and keep connecting. Mm -hmm.